0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In a desolate stretch of the Sahara, a mysterious car accident leaves a young woman lost and alone. Jake, a reclusive architect, finds her unconscious. He drives her to the nearest doctor to discover that she's suffering from a post-traumatic amnesia. Intoxicated by the woman's beauty, Jake claims to be her husband. He names her Kitty and takes her to his remote desert home to recuperate. And that is the basic story behind this wonderful new narrative film called You Go to My Head. We're joined today by the director and writer of the film, and that would be Dimitri De Klerk. Dimitri, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Well, thank you very much for having you on the show. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Where did the story come from?
1: Well, let's say that um, the the idea of the film, the desire to make this film, really came from my meeting the lead actress who plays in the film Delphine, before I produced an independent film two years before I made this film, um, where she, in which she played a small role. And when I first saw Delphine, I was totally... Uh, Mesmerized by her, and she really gave me the desire to um, get back behind the camera and, and direct the film. I had mainly been producing films until that point. So I really wrote this story um, with, um, you know, the beginning with a friend of mine based in New York, Matt Stagg Beagle, and we, we wrote together, um, you know, um, a first draft of a script. And I think some of the ideas of this film probably came from. Uh, an American filmmaker, I like a lot, um, the very nihilist blood poet Sam Peck and Pas. Mm. So some of the ideas of the film came from from that world, let's say. And um, and then I worked with two writers in Paris, um, Pierre Boiti and Rosemary Riccio, who's American. Mm. And we then rewrote various drafts of the the script until the version that was used for the filmmaking of the film. But it's really, you know, at the heart of this film it's very much a delphine before and uh, you know i always say that she uh, you know i have this belief that uh, cinema was created to immortalize women and i very mm. much made this film to mm. immortalize uh, delphine so to me this film is kind of a node to women and to her uh, uh, especially and i see you go to my head as a um, filmic taj mahal made 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 for her
0: she's a strikingly beautiful woman so and I can imagine from a visual perspective, you could see her. Uh, the, the, what she would bring to a, a film project was it something about her personality, sort of her bearing, her, the way that she she spoke about things. What was it that it, what, it, it? Because in some ways, she sounds like she became kind of a muse for you as well.
1: Well, oh, absolutely. I mean, she. It, it's just the force of life. I mean, the you know when I when I saw her at the film we were shooting by the by the by the sea in Morocco. And maybe there are aspects of her, because Delphine is Belgian like I am, and in fact, we're both born in the same city. I grew up um, many years um, abroad, a lot in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, and uh, also uh, the United Arab Emirates in Dubai. And I think Delphine, kind of, when I saw her in Morocco, she made me long for Belgium in a very strange way you know it's a country i don't really feel very much rooted in but suddenly when i saw her appear she she in many ways represents for me belgium and it's it's you know it's, it's, but she really is an incredible force of life and uh and so i i, I very quickly uh well i, that I just wanted to make a, a, a film and come up with a story and so i asked her if she'd be willing to uh you know, to play the lead in a film I would write for her. And she said yes, on the condition that we would write a script because the film we were producing back then was shot without a screenplay, a feature film, which for actors can be very hard. So so that's, you know, that's how that came about. But it, it, it's really many things about her. But um, I, I think she's in, you know, there, there was also this, thing, this Hitchcockian quality in her, which I very much was struck by.
0: And and you've led me to that part of my my remarks earlier where this is a, a film that remo- will remind people in some ways of vertigo in which, which, in which someone's identity is essentially being constructed by someone else, or at least the suggestion of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. it is that well, a absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. it's it really, I mean, I, I really, you know, Vertigo is a film, of course, that I, that I love. It's probably my favorite Hitchcock film. In a very strange way, I realized how much of Vertigo there was in this film when I really completed and finished the film and saw it later on. Because I wouldn't say that in the making of it, I was necessarily influenced by Vertigo or that I wanted to reference it. But in a very strange way, I, the filmmaker, if you go to my head, I'm in many ways very close to the Jimmy Stewart character in uh, Vertigo. Because basically this film I made for Delphine, was my way of bringing back to life something I had felt two years before when I first met her in this other film. So in that sense, the film, you know, it's not just an homage to Vertigo. You could say that it is Vertigo. Yeah. Um, you know, so so yeah. But absolutely, I mean, um, you know, I, many people have felt watching the film that there was something profoundly Hitchcockian about you go to my head.
0: Yeah, in that regard, it, that. The idea that you just described is such a powerful one in the lives of all of us. In some ways, we would love the opportunity to be able to create some one or something in in our own image or in what our expectations for other people might be to create someone in your vision of them. But it's also the idea of reinventing yourself, being able to become something new and different and uh, more open and all the things that sort of is a part of Jake and Kitty's relationship. And and so it's a powerful idea. It's a very powerful idea.
1: Mm. I agree with you. You
0: you mentioned... uh, Delphine Baford, and also uh, the uh, Jake is played by Svetozar Setkovic.
1: Setkovic, yeah, Svetozar Setkovic, a- yeah. who's there... a really known Serbian actor.
0: What was it you saw in him that uh, uh, w- that you felt was uh, a compelling reason to bring him up into this uh, You Go to My Head project?
1: You know, originally I was supposed to, um, when, when I wrote the script, I was supposed to play Jake. And then the shoot was postponed because it it got too hot in Morocco and we postponed the filming by a few months. And at that point, Delphine said, listen, you, I really, you know, you, you need to find an actor to play, you know, uh, the role of Jake. And she was right because I'm, I'm, I'm not an actor and, you know, it was getting way too personal and, you know. So I'm I'm very happy that she that she said that and I'm I'm very happy I met Fethazar. and in in fact it was difficult finding him. I it's a producer, a serving producer friend of mine in Paris to whom I read the script who, you know, after after hearing the whole story said, Listen, I know this one guy in Belgrade who's you know, an actor, he's played in a lot of films and theater, he would be perfect for this role. We sent him the script and he loved it and he immediately agreed to play in the film and a month later we were um, You know, I met him in Morocco, so we discussed a lot via the phone and and Skype. I really think uh, that Svetozar brought a lot of um, different levels to the character and a lot of um, humanity also to Jake, you know, because, of course, he does something quite uh, uh, heavy at the beginning of the film. But a, a lot of people, after they watch the film, they really start to feel for him and even sympathize with him in some ways. So I, I think he did something really amazing in, in the way he played the, the role of Jake. That was a tricky role to play.
0: Thank you. That's exactly the word I would have used to, to describe it—tricky, because it easily could have gone into a very, a much darker. Uh, direction yeah. uh, if you had the wrong person in it, no matter no matter what was on the printed page, if you had not had someone yeah. who could have been able to pull out. He's an empathetic person. He yeah. seems to be uh, yeah. looking for the best interest of, of all concerned, yeah. and um, so all, for all those reasons. Um, but I first want to remind our listeners that uh, yeah. we're speaking with uh, Dimitri DeClerc. He is the director and, and uh, co-screenwriter of the film, You Go to My Head. The film is opening here in Los Angeles today, February 21st, uh, and at the Limley Glendale Theater uh, in Glendale. Beautiful location, a great great theater. And you'll be in town for a couple of Q&As. Is that correct, Dimitri?
1: Absolutely. I will be in town for a Q&A following the 7 p.m. screening on Saturday, following the 7 p.m. screening. And also on Sunday following the 4 p.m. screening, the Friday screening will be moderated by film critic um, Michael Klug, who really loves the film and he's going to moderate the Q&A. And on Saturday will be moderated by Tracy Adlai of the Valley Film Festival, where the film received the Best uh, Foreign Picture Award. Uh, uh, Yeah. So so that will be a lot of fun, too. I, I, I really look forward to seeing how the audience has reacted to the film and the kinds of questions
0: they ask. Yeah, fantastic. And as I say more often than not to my audience, and that is when you have an opportunity to see a, a wonderful film, That's a, that in and of itself is its own experience. However, when you yeah. have the opportunity to sit down with the people who made the film, with in your yeah. case, the director, and, It's such a wonderful experience to to be able to hear from the the people who are responsible for the film that you just watched. And that's the experience you'll have if you go to the glendale Limley Theater Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the 4 p.m. screening on Sunday as well. Um, And it's also,
1: I think, a film you really have to see on a big screen because, um, well, visually, you saw the film. It's, uh, you know, shot in CinemaScope. We actually used uh, some of the lenses that were used on Apocalypse Now. These technovision scope cook lenses that are just amazing and um you know a, a lot of work was was put into the the cinematography the way the film is shot and so it's it, I, I think it's really a film you have to see on a on a you know on a on a movie
0: screen absolutely i i I want to get into the story, but I think uh, before we do I'd like to comment on the f- the idea to me the landscape the desert the uh is is another character in the film it's it's an important it 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 lends the uh the context for the story but also it's it's its own well it's part of jake's life first of all it it's his mm. it's his life's work uh, as an architect too and in the film describes what his relationship is to de- the desert and what he hopes to accomplish but it's a beautiful right. look and uh and the film and by the, by the way let's take this opportunity to talk about your cinematographer in the film
1: yeah i mean it was uh, the cinematographer is, is belgian his name is stain Grouping, g r u p p i n g um, it's a second feature film. I actually met him also on that shoot where I met Delphine Baffour, and I immediately realized that he has a great connection with the natural light, and he really knows how to capture, you know, what I call the light of God, or mm. maybe the malik light. You know, <laughs> a lot of the film was shot at the malik hour, and at you know, at the end of the day or early in the morning. Yeah. And so th- there is not one shot in the film that uses uh, artificial light. It's right. all natural light or practical light. And that was quite a challenge to, uh, to do that. Um, you know, it was also made with a very small crew. I, I really wanted to make a film with a small crew to have, you know, more time to, to film rather than a big crew and little time. And, you know, all the locations you see in the film, the desert, the, the, the very modern house, uh, those are all locations that I knew very well. And so when I wrote the script, I, I really already had all those locations in mind. And, you know, I, I chose a lot of these locations because of the color that came with them. Yeah. I, I think I approached this film in many ways, you know, in, in a painterly fashion. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit, you know, like, um, you know, I, I love this American painter, Jackson Pollock. You know, I, I think the way he used to throw paint onto the canvas, in many ways, I threw my, I projected my obsessions, desires, um, dreams, nightmares into the kind of, you know, cinemascope white walls of the, of the house you see in the film. And like you said earlier, the desert is a very big, uh, you know, an important element of this, of this picture, which I probably, I've always been fascinated by the desert because as a child, when I was in Saudi Arabia, my parents used to take me in the desert to the places where Lawrence of Arabia had attacked the Turkish train, and you can still see some wrecks of those trains there. So I used to claim those trains, you know, and. Um, you know playing Lawrence of Arabia mm-hmm. so I, I think my fascination from the desert came from that
0: and for people who want to know more about the film they can go to you go to my com. there is it, there there's that part of there's it. a website
1: but there's also a Facebook page you go to my head the movie so you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of information about the festivals uh, different uh all the reviews um you know things like that are all on the Facebook page so that's a good place to uh To find information on the film, and anyone who sees the film who wants to reach out to me, they can easily reach out to me through the film's Facebook page.
0: I want to go back to the story a little bit, Kitty. I'll call her that for now. Yep. that's not there's more to that right. uh, than just that, yep. but is uh, yep. is is in a obviously in a car accident with with yep. a, a man. We're not sure of the relationship yep. at that point. She wanders Perfection. off across the desert and she is left for dead basically until Jake uh, comes upon her. And from that point yep. forward, he begins to uh, right away he tells her something that uh, isn't well. He tells are something that endears this relate. It 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 cements this relationship in a way, and from there yep. we get into. This sort of back and forth between the two of a sense of uh, her wanting to know her place because she has this amnesia that she can't remember her life before. So things are it, it fluid, back and forth. He's giving, he's providing her with information that may or may not be true. So we go back and forth with the two of them, yep. and it, and the pace of the film. Again, this is one of those things that I said to you off mic. It's a film that rewards you. And 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 as you go through the film, you'll understand what I'm what I'm talking about. It be, things on mm. things reveal themselves. Things unfold. Relationships become different because of of circumstances. But through it all, it, there's a there's a connection between the two main characters that keeps you in this film. Is that fair? Am I am I characterizing it correctly?
1: No, a, I, 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 that's yeah. absolutely uh, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah. And what's important is that both characters really have a journey in this film. Right. You know, Jake has a journey, in a way, and she also has. And, uh, you know, the, the kitty at the end of the film is not the kitty from the beginning of the film. Yeah. And so, to me, in the end, it's also very much, I mean, I don't want to reveal the ending in any way. But I really see, towards the end of the film, uh, Kitty as the strong character. Oh, yeah. You know, she, yeah, She's in control. She's in charge then. And Jake has also gone through a very personal journey, and he's involved also in many ways. Right. And, you yeah. know.
0: In commenting on Jake's character, I never felt that Jake was imposing a kind of power dynamic on on Kitty. I didn't feel like, even though the relationship itself is based on something that wasn't true... He, right. I never felt like he was. I don't know, it's hard to say. Then I think this is going This film will create a lot of discussion as you walk out of the right. theater as to what yeah. that relationship really boils down to. And there's a, that, Absolutely. In, in my opinion, yeah. you can interpret it a, a number of different ways.
1: Well, that's really the way I wanted the ending to to work. Yeah. You know, the people whom the film really worked they all basically see at the end when they, you know, walk out of it or afterwards that this movie really continues to kind of linger in their head and they keep thinking about it. You know, it's like, and so in that sense, that's really, I think for me, when it, you know, when it does achieve that, I think the film really has a lot of uh, magic and power to it. And I, you know, I, you know, I often describe, you go to my head as a dream movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. the way that I see Blue Velvet as a dream movie, Kubrick's Eyes Wide shot as a dream movie, um, Lawton's Night of the Hunter as a dream movie. You know, there are things that, you know, all those are, you know, filmmakers and films that probably accompany me closely in the making of this film. To me, You Go To Mind is really a dream film. Yeah. I agree
0: with you, and I think some of it has to do with the look of it. it there's, And I also think the pace of it sort of puts you in a... Um, I'll say meditative state. That's probably not the right exact, but something. It, it's it's a film that you're you're thinking as you're watching the film. You're thinking about yep. things that possible you know directions the film. Might take, and so so that right. I think keeps you keeps you engaged as well. I, I agree with you. No, okay. Yeah. Well, no. it's a wonderful film. Again, the film is called "You Go to My Head." So the film is opening today uh, at the Glendale Limley Theater. If you're hearing it, the sound of my voice, you should make definitely get over to the to the Limley Glendale to, tonight, especially for a Q and A with the director and co-screenwriter, and that would be Dimitri Klerk. Uh, and it is a film that, as we were just describing, will will linger with you uh, long after you've left the theater. And if you're there with somebody, you'll be talking about it on the way home. So uh, I can't give a higher recommendation than that. Uh, and uh, and to you, Dimitri De uh congratulations on this film. Congratulations on uh, your your past work as well. And I hope you'll come back and join us when you have a another project.
1: Absolutely, I'm very happy that this film is being screening in the States because it really owes a lot to the American independent cinema of the 60s and 70s. So for me, it's an honor to, to be able to show the film here in Los Angeles.